welcome to the Dash Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a special day and we have a special guest, Mr. David Adams, the Director of Social Emotional Learning for the Urban Assembly, a, a selection of schools, 23 schools in New York City. And he's also on the board of directors for CASEL. And if you've listened to me for the last year or so since we've started talking about education, you know that I love CASEL and really believe in implementing SEL frameworks for schools. So really excited to have David today. And before we get started, just have to let you know to go to TreyGamers.com to subscribe to the Dash Podcast because we do this weekly. We feature educators who have solutions for your school communities. And we also have Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School, my new book. So check those out on TreyGamers.com and we'll remind you again later. So we'll start the episode now. And David, man, thanks again for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today. I'm so excited to ask you my dying questions about Castle and, and just how you got into SEL and all that good stuff. Trey, thank you for what you're doing for the community. Thank you for uh, your support for the education community. Uh, and I appreciate what you're doing for our community at large. I'm happy to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you've got a, a very wide and, and vast experience, David, you know, recently with um, Castle in the Urban Assembly. Can we kind of start there and work backwards? Because it looks like you've got some deeper SEL um, roots and also some experience in the service. Thank you for your service, sir. Um, but starting where you're at now, and then we'll kind of work backwards a little bit from there. Sure enough. Um, so uh, I would say right now I'm on the board of directors at Castle. I've been there for about six months now. Um, and I appreciate that opportunity. Uh, that's an opportunity to start to influence uh, the larger field um, and, and provide support and direction towards um, what we're trying to do in terms of the, the whole concept of what it means to be educated. Um, over the last five years, I've been here at the Urban Assembly as Director of Social and Emotional Learning. Uh, here we've been working to create proof of concepts within our schools around the importance of social and emotional development. So if you come to an urban assembly school in New York City, uh, you should see the highest quality social and emotional development in the country um, in terms of the way the schools are organized and the programs and supports that our kids are offered. Um, and we also support other schools and districts around the country and, and doing the same work in their own schools for their own kids. Mm -hmm. uh, previous to that, I spent about five years in District 75 in New York City Department of Education. Uh, district 75 is our special education district in New York City where I, I supported and developed uh, the social and emotional learning program for students who are classified as emotionally or behaviorally disturbed. Uh, previous to that, spent about a year at Yale Health Emotion Behavior Lab, spent some time at the Center for Social and Emotional Learning, um, and previous to that, spent some time with Dr. Marisa Elias at the Social and Emotional Character Development Lab in Rutgers University in New, in New Brunswick, New Jersey. You have been busy, sir. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do, my friend. You know, we got we got work to do, and uh, I wish I could be busier. Yeah, I, I believe you. You know, there's if you could only be split a few times, but no, that that's amazing. I mean, um, you know, when I first heard SEL myself, I thought I was like, wow, you know, this thing must be new, and and this must be new information, and it's going to be a new way. But you know, as, as I did research, I saw this castle goes back to '94, and I think was an early adopter or the first, and like, oh my, yeah. that's. That's actually a long time ago. You know, we're talking about almost 30 years that we've been doing this kind of research. And, and I do still feel like it's now trending on its way to becoming a standard similar to how diversity, equity, and inclusion has been. 
you've been in this industry and in SEL for a long time. You, you're a long time believer. How, how did you get into all this and, and have jobs? Like an OG. You, you, you are. You are like an OG. You're SEL OG. That's true. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I got you. How did you become an OG? How'd you get in the game? How'd you understand that this was something that is, is so important for education and, and like even the urban assembly, like what in the world? How did they think of that to be that standard for SEL or how do y'all do that? Think be that standard for SEL and, and being a model for um, other people to implement these programs. Well, let me, uh, let me start with the urban assembly. I think, um, you know, one of our missions is to provide, or our, our mission, I should say, is to provide social and economic mobility by improving public education. Um, so very early on, our founder, um, Richard Kahan, really saw the importance of social and emotional development as not only an access to post-secondary careers in terms of employability skills, um, in terms of being able to interact effectively with ourselves and others and solve problems, um, but he also saw it as one of the key aspects of being able to persist within school itself. Um, so he brought me over from District 75 and we got on board and we started to uh, think about what should social emotional learning look like in high school? Mm. Um, how do we organize high schools in ways that can prioritize social emotional development for our young people rather than just put it as an add-on? Um, and, and for myself, you know, for a long time when I looked around and saw the difference between people who struggled in general um, and people who did well, um, I saw some commonalities, right? I saw uh, people who are really good at learning from their mistakes, um, people who put good people around them, uh, people who made good decisions and solved problems in ways that were constructive. They tended to kind of do well over time. And I saw people who struggled in life, and, and this was just even in college, were people who really struggled to, to make good decisions, to, to understand how to build relationships, mm. um, how to understand how to solve problems within themselves and with other people. Um, and I really early on had, had the advantage of, of being exposed to people like Dr. James Comer, um, Dr. Maurice Elias, uh, both of who taught me um, the importance of these kind of underlying skills in terms of how people move through the world, mm. right? Um, that I think these things were kind of a, a secret if you didn't kind of understand it at the time. Yeah. And what SEL did is really lay these things out with really explicit language, right? Like, you know, you have to be able to make good decisions. You have to be able to build relationships. You have to have responsibility. You have to have the ability to solve conflicts constructively. And when I saw that language, I was like, man, this is, this is what I want to be a part of. And I was just lucky enough to have that exposure um, and, and been able to dedicate my life since then um, at making sure that all kids have that exposure so that they can go through life and be successful. Goodness gracious. So what, what kind of changes in commitment have you seen from people from the time that you started, uh, was that 06 up through now? Like what, what changes have you seen in the evolution of SEL and how it's been accepted or the bite back against it over time? I mean, Trey, you said it really, really well. Like people, people, people talk like SEL is this new wave, you know, like, you know, I just got out of grad school. Let me talk to you about SEL, Dave. I got this new band that I want to, I want to talk to you about, like, you know, like they just got up on the charts. Mm. Um, and so I think the, one of the things that we see now is that people are a lot more familiar with the language of SEL kind of broadly. Uh, when I first started out and, and tried to explain to people what I did, you know, uh, it would take about 10 minutes and I'm, I'm pretty good at communicating. Um, and now I could just say, you know, I, I care about social and emotional development and people are like, oh, you know, I rock with that. I understand that. Mm. Um, I, I'd say the biggest, uh, the other biggest change has been just the amount of, of people who are operating in the space. 
Uh, I used to be a couple of researchers, um, a couple of youth development providers who really cared about it. Uh, now we have really an explosion of, of curriculum providers, professional development provider, providers, assessment providers, who are all kind of talking about social emotional learning as um, you know, the thing that they do. So, I mean, I'd say that there's been expansion in just the awareness of the concept of social emotional development. I think we have some work to do on taking that concept and defining it effectively so that people can make a connection between what they think they're doing and what best practices are in the field. Yeah, that's, I, I hear that. Um, so I wonder, you know, and so I, I, I'm like really looking, I've been looking for SEL experts and SEL podcasts and um, just different information. So I've seen a, a pretty good amount of books. I've seen a few podcasts. I haven't been able to find or really search uh, many kind of consultancies or agencies. Um, I, I have found curriculum providers, but I, I've seen some different things so, like, do you feel like it's it's been a good expansion? Are the people that are so myself? I didn't come from an education background. I came from a psychology background, emotional intelligence, and I found SEL and kind of oh realized like wow, this is where I want to be. So I'm kind of converted, not education diehard, if you will. Um, so, you know, how how do you feel like the explosion is impacting the industry? Well, first of all, Trey, I, I want to say welcome to the field, right? You know, I, we got the initiation ceremony out back. So after the podcast, <laughs> you know, we can go through and do the, uh, the welcome to SEO. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think it's been a, a net positive overall. Um, as I said before, we need to really think about how we re refine what, um, what people understand to be the structures and practices that support social and emotional development. Um, but I think we are at a space now where if you go to teachers and talk about uh, what social emotional learning is, uh, the role that it plays in learning, um, more generally, we have an organization like the Aspen Commission um, who uh, released their report one year ago um, that talked about the science of learning and how social emotional academic development can't be separated. Um, we have the sold kind of people who are talking about the, the science of learning and development. We have the the original kind of purveyors of this work in terms of Castle, um, who have been really spending the last 25 years uh, making the connection between social and emotional development um, and its academic as well as uh, interpersonal and community outcomes. So I think we're in a good place, man, you know? Um, I think the, the best thing that we need to do is, is get people like you in um, and, and help other folks to, to really understand what the spectrum of social and emotional development looks like. Yeah. Right, um, focusing not just on self-management, not just on uh, self-awareness, um, but also understanding what it means to be a part of community, mm -hmm. um, understanding what personal responsibility um, contributes to self-development, um, understanding how to resolve conflict and, and um, how to take the perspective of others. So just making that distinction between that one thing that people do. So I think a lot of people are coming out and saying, I do this part of social emotional learning or social emotional development helping people understand that we need to do it all we need to yeah. we need to teach all these concepts yeah. and all these skills and give students experiences that re reinforce these notions and and that was that was me at first as well i felt like i was too zoomed in in what i was trying to do i was trying to first i was trying to speak to the students um with different motivational messages then it was training for the teachers doing emotional intelligence training with them then then curriculum with students but then i when i found castle like oh wow like I'm actually way too zoomed in, you know, I've got to zoom out and this is a whole system. Mm. A lot of schools are operating mm -hmm. management, documentation, referral, behavior policy. You've got five, suspension, you've got five or six 
policies that you're running, but really with, with Castle, and when you talk about a full SEL program, you have one fluid system that can operate mm -hmm. as a team and should not put too much stress on anybody. I mean, I think you said it really well, Trey, right? We talk about organizing schools around the principles of social and emotional development. Um, that means how do your instructional practices support social and emotional development? How do your extracurricular activities support social and emotional development? If a young man is playing basketball um, on a team, he should understand that he's learning as much about decision-making and personal responsibility and self-management as he is about basketball skills, right? Showing up on time, being a part of a community. You know, if you're, if you're late, everybody runs. So these are the kinds of lessons that, that, that we, we need to be developing. And it's not just about, uh, you know, are we teaching them through curriculum? Are, are we creating experiences for our young people to learn and internalize these, these ideas across the spectrum um, so that when they grow up into adults, we, they can participate and be part of a community, create community um, within their homes, within their, within their uh, local communities, um, and, and within, our, within our country. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's amazing, you know, and it's, it's a must for our kids. And what I found, you know, again, I've, I've worked with some teachers on implement SEL and, and using those practices, but there's one main school that I've kind of piloted Castle's program with, and so we have a K-10 school going to K-12, it's PDMSTA, and uh, each year growing a grade, but every grade level has um, Lions Quest, they have the workbook. And we actually formed like a SEL leadership group. So every Wednesday during assembly, there's actually ninth and 10th graders who lead breakout sessions for the lower grades. Um, and they do mm -hmm. the reinforcement lessons that are in there. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that sparked more innovation from the kids. There's one student who said, hey, you know, there's no beta club for K through three. Can I start this club? And so the students that make honor roll in K through three, yeah. the club to be in. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, before there was three or four classes that I was getting consistent behavior referrals from, and now there's one class, and, and rarely do they have mm -hmm. different information. So it's really amazing to see um, just, you know, even beginning, I'm talking first semester um, implementation, you already kind of start to see that kids want it, um, and it works pretty quick. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. And I think one of the cool things about Lions Quest um, and the approach that they take is is this emphasis on service learning. Mm -hmm. right? They they get kids out to do projects, to 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 get out in the community, um, to create community with people they don't necessarily know yet. Um, and so it's not just about learning the skills; it's about using these skills, about practicing these skills, about internalizing these concepts, so that you you can go out in the community and and solve problems and make a difference. Mm -hmm, for sure. So I mean, there's. There's so much that, that we can keep on digging into there, but I do want to um, go into a little bit of what you said earlier about the urban assembly, and you mentioned social and economic mobility. So there's a, there's a study here um, for the social economic mobility for black people, I, and I, don't, I forgot who did it, but you know, I live in South Carolina and North Carolina is close. So Columbia, out of a list of 100, the mm -hmm. economic mobility for Columbia, South Carolina was like 98, Greensboro was 97, and Charlotte was 100. Like those three cities were in the bottom 97 out of 100 cities in terms of economic mobility. Um, you know, and that's a term that I don't think a lot of people yeah. focus on. I think, uh, go ahead. No, I think you're referring to, to, to Rod Chetty's work, right? Where he talked about the, um, um, 
he had the map with different colors and, and yeah. reflected on different cities and the ability um, boys and girls and, and blacks and whites uh, to have um, social and economic mobility. So yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that work. Yeah. So like, how does that, how does that um, fit into SEL and like what the urban assembly is doing to create the, the social and economic mobility? Uh, that's a great question. And I appreciate the, the grounding and, and some of the research there. Um, so, you, you know, I mean, I think when we think about social and economic mobility, um, we're thinking about a number of things. Um, one is we're thinking about the types of decisions and structures that individuals make. Um, and then we're also thinking about the context in which they're making those decisions, right? Um, and so uh, the first thing that I think we need to think about specifically in the, in the context of our country um, is why certain cities are structured in ways that promote social and economic mobility for some people, but not for others. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't want to ever kind of take that, that lens away um, because, I mean, that, that same study talked about how Canada has more social and economic mobility than the United States overall, um, how different states, how different communities have social and economic mobility um, that are differing. So I just want to talk about, first, um, structures in, in, in cities and decisions that policymakers make uh, have an impact on the kinds of opportunities that young people have uh, to, to do better than their parents. So um, I want to I start with that. Um, and then I want to move to the idea that the, one of the two best predictors of social mobility, um, based on that study, has been family structure and social cohesion, um, which is the family structure um, being the types of family, single parent family, uh, dual, dual parent family, married versus um, cohabitating. Um, and then social cohesion is looking at how well the neighborhood gets along, right? Levels of violence, levels of um, misconduct. Um, in terms of burglary and things like that. Uh, so when you think about um, taking out these structural factors and saying, okay, uh, as an education organization, we may not be able to necessarily uh, deconstruct these social or, or these ins institutional factors, um, but can we produce young people um, within those contexts at the moment uh, who, can, who can do well based on their, the quality of their relationships and their ability to develop and create neighborhoods um, that have a high amount of cohesion. Mm. So uh, we think about uh, mobility as the ability to transform our neighborhoods into places that are supportive to each other. Uh, we want our young people to graduate our schools with the ability to maintain and develop uh, effective relationships um, that are stable and that, that create the opportunity for their children uh, to grow up in really um, strong and stable families. Mm. And so we know that these are things that promote social and economic mobility. Um, and we're going to be working in terms of our policy ad, uh, side to think about like what are these larger systems um, and how do we kind of deconstruct those systems so that a person born in one town doesn't have uh, a, a whole lot less opportunity for social and economic mobility than a person born in another town. Um, but that being said, we do, do, we do know things that are at the individual student level that we can do and, and we can help them uh, solve problems and build strong relationships and we can help them build communities that are supportive and, and um, and, and cohesive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's really impactful. That's really powerful. Thank you for yeah laying out the groundwork of um, what that what that means as well. You know, in kind of making it easy to understand how you know the SEL is impacting the social and economic mobility as well. So, what are some of the practices? Like I said, I watched your YouTube video, some of the YouTube videos from the Urban Assembly about um, kids talking about SEL and really defining some of those things. 
what are some of the practices that you have mm. ur urban assembly that promote um, the equity and, and restorative practices that SEL uses? Yeah, man. So I think um, we had talked about this a little bit before, but the, the, the way we think about social and emotional learning um, is that our schools should be organized around the outcomes that social emotional learning kind of defines. So schools should be organized in ways that promote student self-awareness. Students should be aware of their needs um, and wants. Students should have understanding of their external supports. Um, students should have a sense of personal responsibility and students should be able to know what they do well and what they need to work on. Uh, students should, should be able to have self-management. Uh, students should be able to make good decisions. Students should uh, be able to have strong relationships. So the question we think about is, what are the types of experiences and activities um, and instruction that our students would need in a way that the school is organized so that on the other hand, we have a student who can do these things on a consistent basis out in the world. Mm -hmm. So the way that we do that is threefold. Um, one is we directly teach social and emotional skills, um, usually through advisory, um, but sometimes in different contexts. But we use curricula so that students and teachers both have a really clear sense of what social emotional learning looks like, what social emotional learning um, is in terms of language and how to practice those skills. So we give students an opportunity to learn these skills in a really explicit way so that they can see it, feel it, name it, tame it, understand it, right? Mm -hmm. um, from there, we think about how do we integrate these concepts into instructional practices, into social emotional supports, into behavioral supports, into extracurricular activities. So for example, we have an intramural league um, where we, we do basketball, we do volleyball, um, we do a number of, of, of different kind of opportunities for our young people. Um, and at the end of that league, in terms of games, we survey our young people and talk about what social and emotional skills they learned um, through these experiences so that they are attaching the, the experience of playing basketball, the experience of playing volleyball to the notion of students want to uh, learn how to contribute to their community, even mm -hmm. if their community in this context is their team. Students manage their emotions, even if their emotions that they're managing is just not getting a technical foul. Right. Um, and then the last thing we care about um, after direct instruction integration is assessment. Right. So um, every student uh, who does work around social emotional learning in our schools uh, has an opportunity to get feedback on their strengths and challenges around social emotional development, just as they have an opportunity to give teachers feedback around teacher social emotional development um, from the perspective of the students. Right. So we know that the most important uh, avenue to growth is quality feedback. Um, and so we work to give our kids the quality feedback that they deserve um, so they have an understanding around their personalized strengths and challenges, how those strengths and challenges are helping them to solve problems, and what they can do to improve, as well as what they can do um, in terms of doubling down on their strengths and enhancing those. Mm, mm. Man, that, that is so thorough. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot to see there, and it just made me, I pulled out, um, I just purchased the other side of the report card with of your former professor, Marisa Elias, so who I think is with Castle as well. And, you know, I've really been thinking about that part too, like to center a school around SEL. Why why aren't we there yet? Why, why don't other people think like the urban assembly and feel like SEL should be how we're leading schools and not with the, the traditional assessments? I know they're necessary, but why, why aren't we there yet? Why isn't this a standard in um, things that people are just doing? Yeah, man, you know, I, the Aspen Commission, or excuse me, the Aspen, um, Aspen Society has just put out a, a blog written by Ross uh, Wiener, um, and he talked about the social contract between public education 
and the larger community and, and our citizenship, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we have to understand what the role of education is in our society, right? The role of education is to produce citizens who can participate in society. That means they have to read. That means they have to do math. But it also means they have to know how to interact with themselves and others in ways that can create and maintain community. Mm -hmm. And I think what we have done over the last 20 or 30 years is we decided that you know education is a place where uh, we only teach uh, skills around cognitive or academic development. Um, you know, we we have decided the most important aspect of a child is their reading level or or the mathematical level. Um, when when we know, right, in the real world, that mm -hmm. the most important aspect of a person is the person themselves. Right. right. That holistic sense of who they are and what they're about. And so, you know, I, I'm not quite sure. I don't want to speculate as to how we got into this place, um, but I will tell us that tell you that we need to get out of it. Yeah. Um, we we can no longer have kids tell me that I sometimes feel like I'm only a number. You mm -hmm. know, I'm only my, my math test score. Uh, that's the only value I have to society is my ability to solve differential equations. Um, and that's not true. Uh, you know, I, I know people who you know, in the military who may not be, you know, the, the top of the, the class in terms of brightness, uh, but who are great people, good people, good hardworking people who would give their lives for something bigger than themselves, who right. raise good families, um, who build strong relationships, um, and who inspire me every single day. Um, and so that person is, to me, is just as worthy in terms of what they contribute to society as the person who's, uh, you know, out there writing books and essays. So I just, I'm asking for a balance. Um, that we, we balance the supports that we offer our kids, uh, we balance the way that we organize our schools so yeah. that we have a balanced person who are graduating from our schools and participating in society. Yeah, well, and I guess in reality, part of it is, you know, the systems and institutions that we talked about, you know, a lot of schools are funded by income. And so, I mean, we can go down another rabbit hole there, but the important thing is that we have people like yourself, like the Urban Assembly, um, like everybody in this industry that's that's really making a push and not looking at uh, why we're here, but looking at more how we make education more equitable. So um, thank you for that. Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate your your interest and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the great things that you do um, down in South Carolina and North Carolina. And, uh, and I look forward to hearing about how you're transforming uh, schools down there uh, to, to consider everything that a child brings to the table. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, and I know you gave us some good resources to think about. And I can't help but think about all the connections that SEL has with the real world and, and kind of it, it's really an umbrella for for life. And so I remember one of the first um, jobs I did out of college was with the Civic Education Project. And we went out to um, Baltimore and I did mm -hmm. with Northwestern and UIC, where we just took students on service learning projects on the west side of Baltimore, the south side of Chicago, and the experiences that they learned were really amazing. And the idea of asset-based community development was to b build consumers rather than producers. In a lot of ways, you know, people in our urban mm -hmm. culture and, and black culture and people of color, we become um, consumers and, and we have to become more producers and productive citizens that um, are taking advantage and, and given the opportunities to succeed that the rest of our students are receiving. Yeah, you know, I you know I have a, a colleague, man, and um, and uh, one thing I, I I believe in my heart is that I think black people are the most entrepreneurial people in the country, uh, if not the world, 
right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and we know the importance of how to build relationships and, and we know the importance of why decisions are important. Um, we don't necessarily always have the luxury uh, of learning from our mistakes in safe environments, of learning from our mistakes in ways um, that allow us to grow. Sometimes the mistakes made in our community um, are mistakes that will end and put people in jail, um, or mistakes that will put people in, in the ground. Um, if not because of just the, just the institutions that have been surrounding our communities for so long. Um, so I feel the urgency uh, to, to, as you're saying, to just lift our assets up, you know, uh, identify and, and, and celebrate the things that we do well, um, and then teach people how to amplify those things um, yeah. so that our community is strong. And when we have strong communities, we have strong families, we have strong families, strong children, strong children, we've got a strong future, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, thank you so much for your time. Where can the people find you, David? Hey, so hit me up on Twitter. I'm at dadams underscore SEL on Twitter. Um, If you hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, you can just search David Adams Urban Assembly. You'll see me on LinkedIn. Um, Check out our YouTube page for Urban Assembly. Uh, If you look up Urban Assembly, social and emotional learning. Uh, I want to shout out on March 27th, we're having International SEL Day. Um, that's a, a co-sponsorship between the Urban Assembly and SEL for US. Um, so if you're doing work around social and emotional learning, use the hashtag SEL Day. Uh, we'll get that out there, retweet it. We want to take over Twitter for that day and let people know the, uh, the importance of the work uh, that social emotional learning is happening. So um, that's who I am. That's what we do. Those are some of the ways that you can uh, join the work. Thank you so much, David. I, I really appreciate you stopping by, and I know everybody else appreciates that too. So definitely make sure you check out this episode. And if you like it, share it with your friends. Of course, you can subscribe to the Dash Podcast now on TreyGamers.com, Apple Podcast, or iTunes, and visit TreyGamers.com and sign up for time to talk about implementing SEL at your school and purchasing your copy of Every Decision Counts. Thanks again. We appreciate you so much. And we'll see you next time. This is the Dash.